Hey guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with talented voices in the theatre industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Desi Oakley. With lots of exciting leading lady credits to her name, such as Elphaba in Wicked, Roxy Hart in Chicago, and of course, Jenna in Waitress on Tour. Desi Oakley has an amazing Broadway resume, and I was so delighted to be able to connect with her for this and have a conversation about her experiences in this industry. We spoke all about Waitress and giving the gift of Jenna to audiences all across America. We also talked about creativity and writing her own music and pursuing her own opportunities and being proactive in creating these. Be sure to follow Desi on Instagram at Desi Oakley and follow Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with the wonderful Desi Oakley. with theater and kind of want to pursue this professionally? I was always a performer, um, whether that was just on my fireplace with my sister or, you know, my family. I feel, um, I feel like I honestly don't, could never picture another career for myself than performing or, or some kind of performing. Um, but specifically Broadway came about because of an amazing regional theater called Music Theatre of Wichita that I grew up with in my hometown. And I was exposed to, you know, big, mega-sized musicals that were put on on a professional level. So I was exposed to it starting at a young age. But I, I don't know if I really thought that I wanted to do this till I was six, about 16 years old. And I really made the choice to sort of say, I've got to do this. Because at that time, I'd been trained classically with the piano. I had been already doing dance classes because that's fun. You know, at that point, I had been a cheerleader, right? Like, any time to, like, get in front of people and, like, be, you know... Center even, of like, attention. Sang, yes, or, like, saying rah, rah, rah was enough for me. So I feel um, at that point, at 16, I had already done several of these shows at this theater, um, music theater, Wichita. I'd been, you know, taking choir, studying um, theory, and, and really, you know, all of, the, all of the... At that point, everything sort of lined up. Yeah. Um, and that's really, truly how I kind of got involved with it. And then I studied it at the University of Michigan um, and got a, a degree in it, a, a BFA in musical theater. Is that where Kevin Cream went? That's exactly right. Amazing. Representing. Yes, I'm, we're both very, very proud University of Michigan alum. Um, <laughs> and did any of your family members share your talents? No. Oh, my gosh. I'm an alien to them. I'm truly, I've come out of, I'm just some sort of random unicorn, like, coming out of nowhere. So my mother jokes that she gave me um, all of her talent. And when she, what she means by that is that literally when I was born, she gave me all of her talent. So then she was left with none. Um, I definitely have people in my family, I would say my grandmother on my dad's side um, was probably the, the matriarch of music when it comes to just inspire, always having music around, encouraging piano lessons, she was really kind of, um, she really appreciated musical theater. Um, but other than that, I mean, that was sort of guided. She definitely would never have said that she was good. You know, yeah. the, the, the actual gift of music doesn't, it's kind of random. And, you know, fast forward to now, you've been part of lots of shows playing iconic characters. To name a few, you were Elphaba in Wicked. I believe you were a standby. And then you made your Broadway yes, and then, in this. 
Yes, yes, yes. Roxy Hart, of course, in Chicago. Yes. And uh-huh. of course, Jenna in Waitress, which we yes. all love. Um, so which one of these roles really sticks out to you? All of them really have made such an impact on who I am as a performer and, and who I am as a person. But I feel, um, you know, a, a really, really special tie to Jenna, um, especially because Jenna is from a smaller town uh, in the Midwest of the United States of America. So was I. Um, she has dealt with a lot of things that all human beings experience, like no matter where you're from, how old you are, she's dealing, you know, this character is dealing with day to day, um, you know, self doubt, fear, um, lack of confidence, uh, insecurity, um, abuse, loss. I mean, these are things that everyone deals with on a day to day basis. So I feel like I, I kind of had, I felt like a big responsibility to play Jenna because she was the real, she's the every woman. She's the every man. She's everyone. You know, she isn't painted green. You know, she isn't, she didn't just murder someone who's getting famous in the jail cell. Like She's not like this, like, icon, this, like iconic character. She's not Ava Perone. No one has written books about her. You know, she's just a, an average woman. And so I felt um, a lot of responsibility to play her, um, I think, because of that. Wonderful. And I think what's so great about Waitress as well is that every character you can relate to on some level. Yes. Everyone, yes. even the awkward Ogi and, the, yes. you know, and Dawn and like Becky, every single person, they're so different. Right. But I think each of us in the audience can relate to at least two or three of them equally. Correct. Which that's is, exactly right. And I think that's actually the magic of the show. So um, I do too. I, I, I agree with you. What was it about playing Jenna that you just couldn't say no to? So for me, it's Sarah. It's Sarah's sound and Sarah's writing. I've been a fan of it since I was uh, four, th- 14. Every single album she's ever written, I taught myself how to play. So I am a huge Sarah Bareilles fan, always have been, always will be. And so the fact that she wrote a musical is like my two worlds combined. So I think that was a huge draw for me, for sure. Absolutely. And actually, yeah. on that note, what was it like working with this creative team, which happens to be all female? All so, women. Yeah. So I imagine it would be a very nurturing and empowering kind of. It was. It was exactly that. Those are wonderful words to describe it. In fact, <laughs> it was safe. Um, it was, yeah, inspiring. You know, the other thing, too, like, let's let's just say, for instance, like, you know, my character, Jenna, gives birth on stage. So technically the actual birth of the baby is in a blackout, but the contractions leading up to it go up until the last moment before the baby cries coming out. So when I have a woman, a female director who's able to walk over to me in the rehearsal room and, and stand, you know, within inches of my face and say, Hey, Hey Desi, I'm going to speak into this really quickly because she has given birth like that connection, like the things that she whispered into my ear during that moment. Like I literally will never forget, you know, it's just like the way that she was able to connect to the character because she's a woman. And then what then imagine I mean, imagine all the women who have played Jenna and imagine all of the emotions that Diane Paulus has been able to draw out of us because not only is she a gifted director, but in this particular sense, she's a woman. Exactly. And I think every single one of the Jennas 
that you mentioned as well is so different and you bring right. such different things to the table. So, yes. So yes. what was your Jenna like? I have feelings of who she was, but what I heard from everyone all the time was how, how real she was and how grounded she was. Um, and, uh, so I, as Desi sort of threw out the window, the perfect sound. And if I cracked, uh, on a note during she used to be mine because I was crying, that was success to me. Um, I let go of perfection as much as possible. And I was really, I, I gave over to where she would be in that moment. Um, particularly speaking about she used to be mine. I imagine, you know, for the waitress fans that know the show, I imagine Earl takes, uh, spoiler alert, you know, takes the, takes the money and walks out of the living room. And in a literal sense, in a real world sense, non-musical sense, Jenna would walk over to the couch, sit down, scream into the pillow, and then go into the bedroom and, and sleep next to him, right? That's really what happened. Uh, and, and before she, you know, maybe she woke up the next morning or maybe it was in that very moment that she had her first contraction and she ran to the hospital. You know what I mean? Like, like she just screamed into the pillow. That's all, that's all she used to be mine is. I made her as grounded as she possibly could. And even if that meant to sacrifice Desi as the singer, Desi as the actress, Desi as the performer, I would much rather have gone out and, you know, choked on the flower because I was, you know, really close to it and inhaling it or, or really pretending like I was making a pie, you know? Yeah. So um, that's what my Jenna was like. And I miss that, you know, tapping into her. She was very special. Oh, amazing. And actually, now that you mentioned choking on the flower, that was going to be one of my questions. Did, was did that e Yeah, did that ever I happen? I did. I choked, I choked once or twice. And funnily enough, not during Soft Place to Land, which is when we do blow the flower. Yeah. It was during baking. It was during baking. Um, I like to use a lot of flour, which I got a lot of notes on because the rest of the cast has to actually perform on the stage filled with flour, so that doesn't work. So... There's a moment where Jenna tosses the dough between her hands, kind of like a pizza, like someone making pizza. And it had so much flour on it that it just like, and I, the sound guy came back to me during intermission. He goes, did you, uh, did you choke on some flour? I said, I did. I choked on some flour because it was the whole rest of the song was like, and then I'll slice and <coughs> serve my worries. Like literally it was like oh, this God. really tough but I, uh, you know, I was like, oh, well, that's fine. That's going to happen. Yeah. Jenna's in the pantry and she's going to choke. Whatever. It's fine. The magic of live theater. It's live theater. It's, it might be a technical question, but everyone I've talked to who's done Waitress either on Broadway or here has talked about how prop heavy the show is. Yes. So, so what was it like getting into the rhythm of managing all those pies and props? Um, it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, I had the opportunity to play Jenna again, not so long ago, only, um, a couple of months ago where I played her in Toronto, um, to finish up the tour. And, um, I relearned all of these props and it was amazing how much of it was in my body. Um, muscle memory, muscle memory. And it really is pretty, you know, but it is definitely prop heavy. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's, it, and it's specific because, the props tell the story, you know, and that's what a part of it that does make it exciting and real. There aren't a lot of shows like that, you know, and so 
for us to emulate that we are baking or that we are mixing up a dough is really pleasing to watch. So I think it does play a part and the specificity ends up, you know, being rewarding as far as storytelling. It just definitely takes a disciplined actor. And there were many times where I wanted to throw the sugar across the room because I was so frustrating to, you know, to get it into the body. But once it was there, I guess it was there for good because it did prove to come back. (laughs) How good. Wonderful. Did you ever, let's talk about like on stage mishaps. Like what was like the craziest one that happened to you? Um, the craziest one that happened to me was with me and my, um, my co-star Brian Finkard, who played Dr. Pomander. And in the doctor's scene, the doctor's scene is essentially on tour. I believe the doctor's scene is part of the diner unit. So it just turns around on our, on the tour. It had, it was a separate unit. So set speaking set wise, it was its own unit. So essentially it was like one wall that came out. Okay, and on this wall is the door that goes in and out of. And there's also a few things on the walls. Like, for instance, um, this was also part of the Broadway company, but it's um, the, you know, the diploma, the the doctor diploma. Okay, so, you know, it's like a classic doctor's office. They all have their diplomas up there. That that might be a legal thing. They might have to show those. Anyway, (laughs) so anyway, so there's the doctor's diploma. And at this point, ours is a wall. So I slam the door because I kissed Dr. Prometer, spoiler alert again, and I am running for the door after the line, oh shit. He then stops me. And so both of our weight at the time, and we made it all very organic. I loved playing with Brian Fankard. He's a wonderful co-star and we would have so much fun together keeping it very organic. We would hit it. So I think between both of our weight on the door, it shook the wall and the diploma on the door smashed everywhere. And I kid you not, so the whole audience reacts because it was blatant, okay? It was like, door slam, diploma, crash, silence, laughter. Brian goes, I only had one of those. And they erupt with laughter in a full improv moment. And then we were sort of sitting there like the face off, like what's supposed to happen? Because technically I would have, I would have supposed to been going out the door, but now I'm distracted because the diploma's fallen. So then I, in a moment of like also improv, reached to go for the door again. And that was able to fuel us into the rest of the scene. But I will never forget that diploma falling and making the biggest mess. That's such a good save. Well, he is the right person for that. Speaking of feeling safe. That man made me feel so safe on stage with all of the things that we do, you know, physicality and, and emotional depth. You know, he was, was such a wonderful co-star. I'm very grateful for him and our experience, for sure. And, you know, you had lots of time to actually get the hang of this character and because you were playing this role across America for almost a year, I think. Exactly right. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you realized about your own self while being with the show? Traveling away, alone, away from all my friends and family. Um... You know, I noticed a lot about myself leading a company, um, not having a lot of uh, time with that company because I'm on stage a lot. Um, You know, just I learned a lot about myself. I think I'm a perfectionist and I think it's not a great thing. I think I have to uh, keep surrendering to the freedom of, of, you know, the imperfect, you know, the imperfect life. I have to keep recognizing that, you know, vulnerability is is a wonderful thing and that no one is expecting me 
to be perfect. No one's really expecting anyone to be perfect. It's more about, you know, the more human I can be, the better. Um, I learned so many life lessons, you know, in this way. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it made me a better person. I think it made me a better partner, a better, um, you know, daughter, a better friend. It just made me, you know, realize a lot about myself in a good way, in a wonderful, wonderful way. What is the tour life like? Oh, it is definitely probably what you think it is, which is, you know, crazy. Your, you know, our specific tour was tricky because we would do a lot of one week stints. So our day off would also be our travel day. So our only day to rest our minds and our bodies was, was often getting to the airport two and a half hours early, checking through TSA, being on a plane, and then eventually, you know, getting to our, you know, to our destination. So I, it's, it's, it was, it was tricky. It was overwhelming. It was difficult on our, on all of our bodies, on our voices. Um, but then this upside is we get to see so much of the country. We get to meet so many different people. We get to, you know, we get to do something that so many people would love to do that experience. There's nothing like I always pictured when I was doing it, I would say when I am 85 years old, I'm going to look back and say, you did that. You did that. So, and I, that was what helped me sort of stay in the moment. Amazing. But then which kind of state or city really left an impression on you? Yeah, I actually loved, you know, I loved all of the large cities. Like all of them were so fantastic. We played LA, we played Chicago, we played, you know, um, Philly, we played Boston, we played Dallas, you know, like all of these amazingly huge, wonderful, fantastic cities. Often all of them, which I had actually frequented before, I loved meeting these smaller towns that had so much charm, like Madison, Wisconsin, or, you know, Greenville, South Carolina, um, Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, I really enjoyed Portland, Oregon, which most people would say is a larger city, but like, just, I loved, you know, these, these quaint towns. I thought they were just wonderful. And places you might not have gone to if not for this tour. Correct. Correct. Amazing. And did you taste like different kinds of pies along the way? We did. We did, especially because a lot of times they would do a pie contest where they would sell in each, in, in the lobby, they would sell the winner of a pie contest for their local, the local pie, you know, owner or pie maker would get a chance to sell their pies in the lobby. So I would taste all sorts of different, oh my goodness. And that never got old, believe it or not. What was like your most favorite one? So I tried this one called the old fashioned pie and it was in Milwaukee, which I believe is the old fashioned capital of the world. So it's like an old fashioned, the drink, it would be like an orange, you know, custard with like a bourbon, you know, a bourbon custard kind of glaze and a, and a tart cherry topping. It was the most delicious thing I've ever had in my life. Because it, this is such an interesting and nuanced role, like in terms of playing it, you know, from city to city, what did you initially think was going to be the most challenging thing and the most exciting thing? And did that change over time? Yes. Um, I thought the most challenging thing would be to um, live up to what this character needed to be, which, which by the way, my insecurity. And it was not, I mean, I was so welcomed and everyone was like, who is this Desi Oakley? I don't care. She's playing Jenna. Fantastic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no one ever, it didn't matter. I could have been Joe Schmo. It doesn't, it, who cares? So I felt really welcomed by, you know, waitress fans. Um, and of course by Sarah and everyone who was so pleased, it just makes me over the moon. 
but I think it definitely shifted. I think by the end, it was more like, can I balance my own sanity? That was the biggest challenge. Was like, can I keep Desi? Can I keep Desi alive as I'm keeping Jenna alive? Yeah. That ended up being probably the biggest challenge. What was it like returning to the tour after so long? And you know, was it easy to find your Jenna again? Props actually came back pretty quickly. I was pretty, you know proud of myself I was like oh go girl this is great but let me tell you something else about like my Jenna so she was so much more free because I was more free at that point I had done Roxy and Roxy is one of the most freeing experiences on stage I've ever had as a performer so I brought in this where where Roxy's freedom is spontaneous and unexpected and rambunctious I found Jenna's freedom to be whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen I mean at curtain up she's found the most devastating news of all time that she knows is true without having taken the test mm-hmm. and she goes all right let's make the pie I'm gonna here we go You know what I mean? And so I feel like I had that attitude again of like, all right, let's go. You know, whereas this freedom, you know, the freedom with Roxy is much more like, ooh, and bubbly and up here and really, uh, you know, spontaneous in the moment and like just totally unexpected and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. With Jenna, it's much more grounded. It's much more real and it's much more rooted. But I still found so much more freedom in her. Actually, going back to tour, I'm curious to know, because it's so unpredictable, you never know what the audience is going to be like and what the city is going to be like and all that. Do you have any Desi Oakley rituals or essentials that you need to have or do to feel like your most authentic self? Yes. So I have, I always brought my, my, my Pure Mist steamer. It is a warm steam that is this beautiful tiny machine. And as soon as it touches my lips, I feel calm. Um, I would bring um, my photos of all my people and I would set them up in every in every dressing room. Um, yes, I, I definitely would go through my prayer and meditation like in the space and just make sure that my I'm centered with myself. And I remember asking for the dresser. I would have a dresser, a new dresser in every city, which was not that big of a deal because Jenna doesn't have too many costumes. Um, I would ask to have my own space after Teresa, the wig supervisor, would leave. And then the dresser would leave. So from five minutes until places would just be my time. And I made sure I wasn't distracted. Um, And then who cares what happened, right? Like then I could walk on the stage and talk to everybody and say hey to everybody and check in with everybody. But as long as I started with, with that grounded time, for sure, that was very helpful for me. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, traveling from city to city, I'm sure you met lots of lovely people at the stage door. Like, what's your sweetest stage door experience? I received homemade, handmade gifts and trinkets and waitress memorabilia and love, like Desi-based gifts, waitress Jenna-based gifts, pie, desserts. I mean, I've got handed, like... I mean, all the Lulus made me art and gave me, you know, they would make little, you know, pictures and papers for me. And I mean, colored, they would color my name and they would write me thank you cards and they would sing the Lulus pie song to me. I mean, I mean, it's just the sweetest. I've had the most unbelievable interactions, you know. Um, with so many different people that I would have never met before. And, you know, because the original Broadway production is coming to an end in January, yes. 
Um, what do you hope the legacy of this show will be? I know it will be um, that it, it definitely changed lives. Um, the music will live on forever. The legacy will be that it was messy and probably not what people expected, but it was it was bold and it was real and it was grounded and it was gritty and it came to change people and it did. So I think it it will be a you know a blessed memory and a wonderful you know tribute to what American musical theater was at this time and. I think it will go down in history. And people, I mean, not to mention everyone's going to be singing the songs, you know, for oh, hundreds yeah. of years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And it's being done in different countries. So it, it does live on, you know, there's always, it will. I feel like there's always going to be a version of Waitress playing somewhere. Yes. Which is the dream Good. and the hope. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Amazing. So, and as we, as you mentioned, you were recently in Chicago as well. Yes. Playing uh-huh. The Amazing Roxy. So talk to me about that experience. Was it everything you hoped it would be? What was it like? I love Roxy Hart. I loved how different she was than Jenna. I loved finding the ways that I'm similar to her and different than her. And um, I just love also doing something so iconic, something so much bigger than myself, you know, playing, playing this sort of iconic role and doing the Fosse choreography. And, you know, I mean, I, I felt tiny in the best way. It was so good. It was so good. You've been in this business for about eight years, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the most kind of memorable things that you've learned about this industry as you've gone through from show to show? Yeah, this industry is tough and it is crazy and it is wild. Um, I've learned a lot how to navigate it, I think, as an adult now. You know, when I first graduated, this this looked like, you know, I was like, eyes wide and just so excited and happy and pretty much willing to kind of do whatever it took to get here. You know, and I, I feel like I feel grateful to have sort of grown up in the business and grown up with, um, a different approach, um, with, with just like, it's, it is what it is. The nature of it is a business, just like all, all businesses are. Um, and I think that once you learn how to tackle that and appreciate that side of it, instead of fear it or dread it or hate it, um, I feel, I feel like, you know, you can sort of start to embrace what that is, make that your own and then figure out who you are in it, you know, and, and continue to stay true to that. That's where I've really benefited. I feel the most is that I've, I've, I've really stayed true to me, uh, or tried to, uh, and, and, and keep prioritizing who I am as a person before who I am as a performer. As an actress, do you, do you get to see theater shows often? Because I assume not because yeah. you, you, yeah. If you when you're in a show, no, like when you're doing a show, the eight shows a week are mostly the same days that the other shows are playing. And even if they're one day off or one time period off the last place you want to be on your day off is in midtown Manhattan seeing theater when you're needing to escape from it. Um, but no, definitely. It's always a priority of mine when I'm, when I'm between shows, you know, to see theater, but then again, you know, it seeing theater is expensive and then you're not in a contract making your money, but no, it is something, it is something that, you know, I definitely prioritize and, and love keeping up on, especially if it's something that, you know, first of all, just knowing what's playing is important in the industry, not to mention if it's a role that I feel like could be right for me or, or something, a show that I could see myself being a part of. And what kind of stories do you want to see as a spectator? 
Yeah, no, I'm open to so much theater. I'm mostly, I'm the, I'm the theater goer that says it was amazing when most people said it was okay. So I'm kind of, you know, easy to please in that way. Um, but I am open to all kinds. Like I love seeing all types of theater, especially if it's on a Broadway stage, then I'm open to it for sure. You've uh, mentioned previously as well in your interviews that you're an all or nothing person. Yes. So, so what does that mean? And what are some of the things that help you stay in balance? Because as you mentioned, this business is a business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I say that because balance is my number one thing that I always work on. I, I'm kind of hardwired in extremes and mm -hmm. I, I just don't, I don't know what happened and I don't know how that happened, but I just, I am, I'm sort of like an all or nothing type of person. And I don't, I love that about myself because the all is normally 110. So I love that. But then, you know, I don't love that about myself because balance is a struggle for me. And I feel like balance is the key to, you know, a lot of joy. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's why I wrote that song about. And, and that's what I mean by all or nothing is that it's like, it's difficult for me to sort of, you know, but mo for the most part, it's a good thing. I'm like, I'm all in. You are a singer songwriter as well as a wonderful actress. So how do you find the balance between following your passion and doing this for a living? So that's totally something that's new in my life. I've sort of recently decided to say, look, I'm going to make this happen. I have a lot of tunes and I know the perfect musicians to put it into practice. Like I made this happen. Um, I've always been a writer. I've always written since I was uh, 13 years old, piano based. So it's, it's finally, it's like, you know what? I can't sit around and wait for things to happen. I've got to take matters into my own hands. So, you know, sort of being self-produced and, you know, self-initiated projects are sort of um, what I'm getting getting into. And I think that that is, I found the balance recently because I'm like, I think I'm getting older and I'm like, I got to do this. You know, it, it's not going to, no one else is going to do it for me. So I think that's a really good thing. I've, I've most recently taken on, right, because I feel like my one track mind would be like, oh, I can't. I can't stray from Broadway. I've only got to do Broadway. I've only got to focus on that. But, you know, that's, again, my all or nothing mind talking. And, and the, the second that I was like, hey, life is short. You got to do all your passions. And if, and if, if no one else is going to do it for you, you got to do it yourself. And so I feel like that's really what motivated this album and will motivate more albums to come for sure. Oh, amazing. And I love that you said this because I feel like especially so many young people going into the industry, they have this kind of, from what I've heard anyway, this kind of fear that, you know, I have to commit 100%, you know, this right. is where I am, nothing else, just this. Right. But I feel like the best things come to you when you have another project or like a passion project as well yes. as trying to achieve this because then almost, you know, auditions and whatever, like it, it doesn't have that power over you. Right. And you're able it to have as much weight. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. You know, being a storyteller, whether through your music or, you know, your roles and all that, it's such a powerful thing because, you know, you can influence, like directly influence so many people in their lives and on social media as well, because, you know, you especially share a lot of yourself on socials, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact how gracious you are with your fans and your supporters. And it just warms my heart to see someone who's, you know, your level, who still kind of takes the time to, to reply to people and to connect with people and to, you know, answer questions and share well, stuff. I mean, here's the thing that there, I was just a person, everyone's just people. So, you know what I mean? Like me taking time to reach out to someone is like, 
to me, it feels like common sense. And I feel like connection is the most important thing to me. Again, I was telling you my relationships are the most important uh, part of my life. Like connection in general is the most important thing. And if I can reach someone through my gift, but then also, you know, a platform like Instagram through that, I mean, that's, that's, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And, um, no, I love it. I love when people reach out to me or when they have questions for me, or, I mean, I want to share my story. I want to share, you know, if people want to listen and also who cares if someone doesn't want to listen. Great. Again, that's the other thing is it's like unfollow, just unfollow. But I worry about that too. Even when it comes to just putting out content or like even just sharing something, I'm like, people might hate this. People might hate this, but it's like, that's not a reason to do or not do something. You know, yeah. it's gotta be, it's gotta be, it's gotta be what you feel, what you want. And if it, if, if it touches you, then it's bound to touch another person. And if it doesn't, it, it touched you, and that's a great place to stop. That's good. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you think actors, especially young people going into this industry, do you think they should be on social media? Great question. You know, I don't think it's the end all be all. I was just having a conversation the other day, actually, with a young, uh, young person about this here in New York, um, who's aspiring and who has, you know, a, a, so much potential. And, you know, they were asking, is this important? What should I do? Should I, should I beef up my social media so that it's important? I think the work that we're doing in the room, and when I'm saying in the room, I'm saying that in quotes. That mm -hmm. means sort of in the audition room, in the, in the performance room, in the concert room, in the theater. I think that work will, f will always be far superior to anything that we do on social media. And it's perfectly possible to be successful in whatever field you want to be in without being on social media. Um, if it makes sense for you to share yourself, then do it. If it doesn't, then don't. I mean, I, I, to me, to me, it is not end all be all. Yeah. Who knows? Because it's popular right now. Who knows where we're going to be in five years? Exactly. I, I have. It's. I think it's. It's right now. For me, it's a wonderful way to connect. And until it's not, um, it'll be a part of my life. But I think it's okay for it to not be. Focusing on young people, would you have any advice for for those entering the industry who are dealing with rejection for the first time? Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's so tough and. Getting rejected doesn't necessarily get easier. It just over time will start to make more sense to you. So it's always bad. It's always, it's always a terrible feeling. It's never great. But you'll just start to soon see that the, the no's are preparing and creating space for yeses. Mm -hmm. So they always say when God closes the door, he opens a window, right? So it's like that's in this same way I'm saying the no's, you'll start to be like, oh, I'm so excited to see why this was a no. I can't wait. So all of a sudden, I'm now hopeful and excited because of a no, right? That takes experience, it takes maturity, and it takes, like, time. It just takes time. Um, so those are that's what I would start to gear towards, is, like, don't try to change how you're feeling about rejection. It's always going to feel that way. Don't try to change it. It's all good if it's terrible. Let it be terrible. The one thing you can change is to, is to um, how it fuels you. How it fuels you. If it's keeping you down uh, and, and you're finding yourself unable to recover from rejection, I might question if this career is right for you. If you are letting it fuel you, like, ooh, okay, now I'm bubbly. Now I'm fired up. Now I'm excited. What do we have? Like, okay. What is it going to be now? What is it going to be now? You know, and I'm saying this after 24 hours of possibly a meltdown and 
like severe amounts of ice cream, Mm -hmm. then, then it should be like, cool, cool, cool. What are we going to change? What are we going to do? What, what action should we take now? Um, that's what I would say. Okay. So now we're on to random questions. Book recommendation. Educated is a book right now that I'm, that I'm about to read. So that's what I would recommend because that was the number one book that was, that was recommended to me. So I'm putting it out there, but just so everyone knows, I haven't read it yet. I'm about to read it. Most courageous thing you've ever done. I did overcome the ladder in, in, um, Chicago. Roxy climbs this huge, this very, very tall, tall ladder at the first, uh, couple of scenes. And it's very high up there. And like the first couple of times, like my heart rate went really, it's like, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not strapped into anything and I'm kind of holding. So I feel like that was like a really, I overcame that. That took a lot of courage. Um, yeah, for sure. I would say that that's like a physical overcoming of courage. A characteristic that you value most in yourself. Oh, that's a lovely question. I would say my, uh, loyalty. I stand by my people. They come first. Podcast recommendation. I'm going to go with Super Soul Conversations. That's my number one listen to podcast by far. Must see place in New York. I would say, well, my favorite building of all time is the Empire State Building. I'll never not be obsessed with it. I'm truly, truly, truly obsessed with it. But the vessel is my new favorite thing. It's in Hudson Yards. It's brand new and it is absolutely breathtaking. My recommendation is to go around dusk so you see it partially in the daytime and then partially at night. Awesome. And lastly, finish the sentence. Dear Younger Desi. It is not how you think it will look. And that is okay. That's what I would say. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Thank you so much. Be well. If you enjoyed this episode, then please consider giving us a rate and review. This would help me tremendously in reaching more theater fans and also getting more guests on this show. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You know, I'm always just one message away on Instagram and you can find me at Goodversations. So let's get to know each other. My hope is to create content that you guys would like to hear. So drop me a line and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next Monday.